Well, welcome tonight. We are so, I'm a little, uh, you know, tonight was just supposed to be a small, casual uh, get together, you know, and honestly, when we began this journey, we, you know, thought maybe 20, 30 people would show up, uh, you know, that wanted to be a part of it. And, you know, we're going to get together and talk and maybe even brainstorm a little bit, but it doesn't look like we're going to do that tonight. We'll be here till next Friday if we try to brainstorm with a group like this. But, you know, I'm, I'm so humbled. You know, tonight's not supposed to be a polished, you know, church service. I just want to share my heart with you tonight. And then at the end, we're going to have some time for, for Q&A. And I've got a couple people that are going to share with me tonight, uh, later on, and just kind of give you just a, a feel for what God has laid on my heart for this church in in kind of the, the strategy he has shown me for how we're going to get there and what the part we all play and what it looks like and, and what it means and and what's, you know, the responsibility of, of the church and the responsibility of the people and, and what's possible, like if we dream and we really believe God uh, to see something great. So I'm going to pull out my notes with you. And you know, I, I came to Coastline four years ago. I think, I think it'd be good for you to understand a little bit of my story. Th- this whole thing for me being here was so supernatural. Uh, I, I really should not be here uh, tonight. When, when I first came in contact with Coastline, uh, I had never heard of this church, and they had never heard of me, and they had never heard of what I'd been a part of. You know, I was part of the, the Dream Center in Los Angeles, which, you know, God has blessed that to be a uh, a ministry that many people around America and the world know about, and I was a part of that for many years. And the church here had never heard of that, and I've never heard. And it was just kind of a supernatural connection where I met a guy at a movie one night. And the next thing I know, I'm getting a call from then the interim pastor of this church asking me to, uh, you know, come and sit down with him and talk to him. And and our, our schedules just couldn't connect. And uh, finally they connected and the day I was going to have the meeting it was up in Los Angeles. I got a flat tire and I was just like, I, I just, I can't do this right now. I've got a flat tire. I'm sitting on the side of the freeway. Uh, I just, I got to call this off. I just don't have time. And I really felt in my heart, the Holy Spirit just, just kind of put on my heart that change the tire. You can deal with it later, put the spare on and go to this meeting. And so I come to the meeting and I'm sitting with him and uh, another guy in the church. And they're just kind of sharing the story of this church and how, uh, you know, the, the last you know, a couple years before I'd gotten here, just really some very difficult and some hard times. And then said, would you be interested in coming and checking out? First, he was uh, inviting me to come and help. And then during the the meeting, he said, you know, uh, as I'm hearing your heart and listening to you, I realize that what this church needs is you, not me. I'm, you know, in my 60s, and I'm just here for two years as an interim pastor, and they need somebody that can come and pour their life into this place. And so I agreed to come and speak here on a Sunday and just kind of check it out and just be open to God for what God wanted to do. And the amazing thing was about 10 years ago, I was in this community actually at the Target there at El Camino Real in Lucadia. And I always felt in my heart God was calling me to the San Diego area. I just never knew when or how or or, or what, what was going to happen. And so I'm sitting there 10 years ago. That was you know probably about six or seven years before this building was even built. So this building didn't even exist at that time. This was just an empty lot. And I'm looking at this valley from the parking lot, and I just said to God, God, out of everywhere in San Diego, uh, this is where I want to be. And then I went on with my life and forgot all about it. And then when I came to speak here in July of 2010, uh, I just I, I got to the church early Saturday afternoon for the Sunday morning service, and I'm just driving around the neighborhood, 
and I see the target and I go into the parking lot and I see the same view that I had about seven years prior to that time. And I thought, okay, God, there's something going on here. And it was just an incredible uh, journey of, uh, you know, the next few months meeting with the elders and talking through my heart and vision. And honestly, now looking back on it, I'm shocked I even got hired to, to be a part of this thing. Um, you know, cause I had some major developmental needs, you know, just, just in, in, in who I was. And, and really that, that first couple years, you know, I felt like God tell me, cause I, I had big vision. I had big dreams. I had big strategy. I think I scared the elders half to death sharing some of the stuff with them just in the interview process of what, you know, God's put on my heart and what I wanted to do. And, and I realized that a lot of it was self and ego and it wasn't God. And, and God had to take me on a couple year journey of really just humbling me and, and breaking me down and, and really told me when I got here, take your dreams and put them on the shelf right now. It's not time to dream. The church needs to be healed. You need to be healed. You need some work on you. The church needs some work on them. And so the first couple of years of me being here was just God working on me and God working on the church, bringing it to health, bringing me to health, bringing the church to health. And then this last year, really the beginning of this year, 2014, I really felt God speak to my heart. This is the year to begin dreaming again. You can pick up your dreams again and you can dream again. The church is healthy. The church has a foundation now. There's people that are excited and passionate, and and you're here tonight, and I'm just, I'm overwhelmed at, at how many people turned out tonight. Uh, I really am, because I know that this whole thing is so much bigger than me. You know, this is a team effort. When I look at that legacy brochure, that's you guys. You guys will stand in heaven one day, and all of us together, there was, a, there was a battle in the Old Testament with King David and his men, and some of the men guarded the supplies, and some of the men fought on the front lines. And the guys that fought on the front lines felt like their reward, their share of the, the, the spoils of victory should be more than the people that guarded the supplies. And King David said, no, everybody is going to get an equal share, whether you guarded supplies or whether you fought on the front lines. And the truth there is, it doesn't matter what part we play. All of us are going to, th- this is all of our inheritance. Every single one of us are going to stand before God one day, and we're going to be equally rewarded for what God did through this church. The lives that were changed, the marriages that were restored, the people that were saved, the orphans in Mexico that were rescued, and all all the future things that happen here, whether you're directing traffic in the parking lot or working a camera or an usher, working on the cafe team, all of us are equal. All of it are in it together. I am no more important than anyone else here. I'm really not. I just have to be faithful to use the gift God's given me. God gave me a gift to communicate. I got to be faithful to use that gift. You have to be faithful to use the gift that God's given you. And if we all partner together, something great can take place. But this cannot be built on one person. It's got to be bigger than one person. And so tonight, towards the end, I'm going to talk about really three ways that we can all get involved. One thing that all of us can do. You know, the first thing all of us can do. The second thing some of us can do. And the third thing a few of us will be able to do. And I just want you to pray about where you fit you know, where you fit in in the legacy vision. Now, we all have our place on the dream team. You know, all of us are called to serve in the local church, but we're called to do it based on what our purpose is and based on what our gift is. Paul said, listen, you know, some people are fingers and toes and eyes and legs and hands. and, And the only way for the body to really function effectively is that all the parts are connected. 
You know, the body doesn't do a whole lot if you've got severed limbs and severed feet and, and everything else. It works when it's all connected. And so all of us finding our place in the body, but beyond that, when it comes to the big vision of legacy, there's a place for each of us. And so I want to go through that. Second uh, Timothy 1.9, I always want to do everything with scripture. Uh, I've always been taught that there's a scripture for every occasion. And even if you're just talking about vision, there's scripture uh, to back it up because everything we do, we want to be built on God's word. Second Timothy 1.9 says he saved us. That's what happened. He saved us. He saved us, but he didn't just save us. He goes on to give us some responsibility because he leaves us on earth after he saves us. It says he saved us and called us to a holy life. So we have a calling. We have a calling on our life. You have a calling. Our church is a calling. You individually have a calling. Your family has a calling. Not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose. So not only do you have a calling, but you also have a purpose. You have a calling and a purpose, and these two things are differently. It's because of his purpose and grace, and the grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. So what does this mean, calling and purpose? Because there's a key truth in understanding our vision is you understanding the difference between calling and purpose. Calling is what's in your hand. Purpose is what's in your heart. All of us have something that's in our hand, And all of us have something that's in our heart. And it's finding the balance of those two that give us the ability to really live a a, a successful life for Christ in the kingdom. And it's understanding there's a difference between what's in your hand and what's in your heart. And here's the danger. After a series like we just did on legacy, there's a lot of excitement right now. I mean, there are people that have approached me. I'm ready to start now. What do I need to do I'm ready to go, and they're being led by what's in their heart, and that's great. But here's the danger of excitement. When we get so fired up about what's in our heart, we begin to neglect what's in our hand. And what's in your hand is what gives you the ability to accomplish what's in your heart. What's in your hand is not glamorous. What's in your heart, that's glamorous. That's exciting. That's fun. That's adventurous. What's in your hand is daily. It's mundane. It's routine. It's, it's not all that glamorous. And the danger is as a church, if we get so excited about what's in our heart that we forget about what's in our hand, we're going to shipwreck what's in our heart. Because the only way we as a church will accomplish what's in our heart is if we stay faithful to what's in our hand. Let me illustrate it like this. What's in your heart when you're at work is that vacation that you've been planning for for months. What's in your hand is you got to get up Monday morning to pay for it. I mean, what happens if you neglect what's in your hand to chase what's in your heart? You're probably not going to be able to pay for the tickets. You got to be faithful to what's in your hand. Uh, look at look at Bono, the lead singer of U2. What's in Bono's heart? Well, if, if, you, if you ever listen to the guy, his heart is kids in Africa. He is so fired up and passionate about children in Africa. That's what's in his heart, what's in his hand. He's a phenomenal singer and songwriter and entertainer. What would have happened if Bono, when he was a teenager, decided to chase what was in his heart and not what was in his hand? He probably would have made an impact. He would have probably moved to Africa and built an orphanage and maybe impacted the life of a couple hundred children, maybe even a thousand or a couple thousand children. But because Bono was faithful to what was in his hand, he's now impacting the lives of millions of children. See, this is a very clear principle we have to understand as a church because it's so easy to get fired up about what's in our heart 
that we forget about what's in our hand, not realizing it's what's in our hand that's going to give us the ability as a church to accomplish what's in our heart. So let's just let's just illustrate this. What's in our heart as a church? Well, as a church, we'd love to build a dream center in Mexico, you know, where we have a children's home in a medical clinic and a school for the children and job training and a and a church facility and a sports complex and have something like that in Mexico. That's that's in our heart. What else is in our heart? We'd love to build a dream center in uh, North County, somewhere in the Oceanside Vista area. And that's something that God God has laid on my heart for this church, that we will have a dream center in North County one day having programs for human trafficking because Oceanside is one of the biggest areas of sex slavery in our nation having foster care prevention programs, having, you know, a homeless family transition uh, places, doing, you know, and honestly, all of that stuff really is going to be birthed in the heart of our people. You know, that's not stuff I'm going to dictate and say, you know, my heart is that we have a dream center. What, What the dream center looks like and the components of the dream center that really has to be born in your heart as, as the church body. And, and later on, I'm going to have somebody talk a little bit about the seeds of how we get there and how that'll all happen. But that's what's in our heart. You know, we got these things that are in our heart to, to help people and serve people and make a difference and, and really, you know, get our hands dirty, making a difference in this community. What's in our hand? We do Sunday services. We do small groups. We do the Discover course. We do the Dream Team. That's what's in our hand. Now, let's be honest. That's not as glamorous as going and building a dream center and doing human trafficking ministry. But the truth is, if we don't stay faithful to what's in our hand, if we don't stay faithful to our Sunday services, we're not going to have the ability, the resources, the manpower, or the finances to really do something great with the dream center one day. Because it's the foundation of our Sunday that gives us the ability to do everything else. That's, that's where the strength comes from. And it's not as glamorous being an usher on Sunday morning as it is going and doing human trafficking ministry. But if we're not faithful to the dream team on the weekend, we're not going to have the opportunity and the ability to do everything else. And so what we have to do is find a balance that all of us have a place to serve in the house, in the home. You know, like when you live at home, you have chores. And then when you go outside the home, you've got other responsibilities. So we all have chores in the home, a place that God created us for in the home. And then we all got things that are in our heart, passions that, that, that are bigger than that, things that, that go beyond that, things that we want to do kind of outside that, either through small groups or ministry or, or, or dream center or things like that. And, and let me say it like this. Sunday is the means to the end. Sunday's not the goal around here. Sunday is just the means to the end. It, uh, the only reason we do Sunday is because it's, it, it's a means. That's all it is to us is a means. The end is building dream centers. The end is having incredible work going on in Mexico and in North County and rescuing girls out of sex slavery. That's the end, but there's got to be a means to get there. And the most effective means as a local church is our weekend service because that's the front door for people to get involved with the vision. That's the front door for, for God beginning to change their heart because we can't empower people to go do you know, ministry on the streets with hurting people if they haven't been healed themselves, if they haven't been discipled through small groups and dealt with some of their issues and, and, and have gotten healed in a whole. They're not going to be effective going and helping people on the street. They may give out some food, but they're not going to ever get to the real need that people have, which is heart transformation. and heart. There's a reason people are in hurting situations. 
And we have to be healed and whole to truly address that and help people out of those situations. We can go give out handouts, you know, and become kind of a, a, a welfare bank, but I don't think that's what God's calling us to do. I think God's calling us to build church, not just build programs. And church and programs will help us build church. Like giving out food will help us reach people for the gospel. But again, if we're not doing it for the gospel to get them saved and discipled and healed and whole, then just giving out food really isn't going to make an eternal impact in their life. And it's not going to change our society because you feed them today and they're going to be hungry tomorrow because you haven't healed their heart. One of the things that uh, President Bush told me when he was with us at the Dream Center in Los Angeles a number of years ago when he kind of was using our facility as the model for faith-based initiative, one of the things in his presidency, he said, listen, I can give millions of dollars to the inner city and I can give people clothes and food and a job and a new house, but if you don't change their heart, they're going to wind up in the same situation all over again. He goes, that's why I'm passionate about faith-based work, because it's the church that changes people's heart, not money, not welfare, not government programs. It's the church that changes people's hearts. Because we can give all the handouts we want away, but if we don't work on changing people's heart and really building churches and discipling people and loving people, then all of that work really is wasted because they're going to end up in the same situation as soon as we leave. And so it's got to be bigger than that. And so we have to understand Sunday is the means to the end. Even within our church culture, you know, out of our big four, the four cups of Passover, Sunday's not even the goal. The real goal is, is small groups and the dream team. A dream team, because that's the most fulfilling place anybody will ever be, uh, because it's, it's where you're connecting to your purpose and you're living out what God created you for. Small groups, because that's where discipleship happens. And Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. He said, go into all the world and make converts. He said, go into all the world and make disciples. We make converts on Sunday. We make discipleship. We make disciples in small groups. So even within our church context, Sunday's not the goal. It's just the means to the end. You know, our goal is to get people in small groups as a church. Our goal is to get people on the dream team because that's where real life change and growth and transformation happens inside of somebody. Sunday is just the most effective tool we have to bring people in and, and, and over a period of time, encourage them to get involved in what really matters to us, which is small groups and the dream team. So I want you to just get the picture. Sunday is a means to the end. Uh, and, and here's the other core part of our philosophy is, is I think as a church, we need to be opportunists, not strategists. We need to be opportunists, not strategists. We need to always have more money than we spend and more leaders than we use so that when God gives us an opportunity, we're ready to jump on it. See, I think the danger for a lot of pastors is they become strategists. And they strategize, how do we grow and how do we expand and how do we do all this stuff? And they end up building their own kingdoms as opposed to understanding that, that God's the one that gives growth. We don't create growth through strategy. Like Our job is not to create growth through strategy. Our job is to create infrastructure so that if God decides to give growth, we have a healthy place to disciple people. Uh, for example, I told the staff at the beginning of this year, at January of this year, we were probably, we're right around 400 people in weekend attendance. And I told the staff, I said, this year, 2014, our goal as a church is not to break 1,000 people. That is not our goal. That's not our responsibility. 
Our goal is let's create the infrastructure so that if God does it, we can handle those people. We can love those people. We can disciple those people. It's not our our goal to be consumed with breaking these barriers and breaking these goals. Our goal is just to love and disciple people. See, Jesus said, don't pray for the harvest, pray for the workers. To me, the workers is the infrastructure. The workers is the small group leaders. The workers is the dream team captains that are, 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 are ready and trained to welcome new people. Because if God gave us like a thousand people tomorrow as a church, do we have the small groups to handle those people? Do we have the dream team captains to handle those people? You know, it's one thing to gather a large crowd, but is God calling us to build a crowd or is God calling us to build a church? So we have to focus on infrastructure. We're not trying to break barriers or goals. We're trying to disciple and love people. That's the goal. And so we're opportunists. You know, so we created our financial system here as a church. If you've been to our 101, you know, we always every year spend less than we take in and we plan it that way at the beginning. Why? Because we want to have more money than we spend so that when God gives us opportunities, we can jump on it. We needed a playground for the families of our church. The playground that you see out there with all of the, you know, the landscaping and and the garage door and the cafe was about $120,000. It was something we needed uh, as a church. We had an opportunity to do it. Well, 2000, I think it was 2012, we ended the year with $150,000 surplus. So we were able to write a check, pay for it all without raising money. Because that's our heart is we don't want to raise money as a church. We don't want to do capital campaigns or fundraisers or ask people for money. We just feel like if we spend less money than we take in, we'll always have the money to do what God puts on our heart to do. And we can do it without manipulating people and asking for money and pressuring people for money and doing fundraisers or campaigns. But let's just be smart. So we'll always, so, so we're opportunists, not strategists. We're not thinking about, you know, how can, how can we grow? We're thinking about, you know, how can we position ourselves? How can we prepare ourselves for what God wants to do here, for what God wants to bring us? And that's our heart. So let me give you kind of our, 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 our focus We have four focuses as a church. I'll go through this, and then I'm going to go through our vision with you, the things that God's put on my heart that he wants us as a church to accomplish one day. Uh, Here's our focus. First is our house. You know, you got to take care of your house. I mean, mean, married people, you know, you can go to work and be amazing at work, but if you're not taking care of your marriage at home, you know, you're you're not going to be happy. It's not going to work. It's not going to, you know, you can put on the show outside the home, but you got to take care of your home first. In our house, we got to take care of that first. It's, it's, it's why on an airline, they say, parents, put the oxygen mask on you before you put the oxygen mask on your child. See, we can't try to put the oxygen mask on our community until we put the oxygen mask on our church. That's why our house has to be first. We've got to always remember that it's not as glamorous as everything else because the house is our calling. It's, 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 it, it's what's in our it's what's in our hand, not what's in our heart. What's in our heart is everything we do out here, like the impact in the community. What's in our hand is being faithful to our house, being faithful to our home. And if we don't put the oxygen mask on first, we're not going to be able to help anyone else if we pass out. We need to have a healthy foundation here to do everything else. And so there's a balance that we have to, we have to strike. Then there's our community. Our community, to me, that's our small groups. You know, we need to have small groups throughout our community discipling people and changing the lives of people. Then there's our region. 
Uh, our region uh, currently represents uh, the Dream Center Los Angeles that we're a part of and we support, and our children's home in Mexico that we fund and, and operate and, and is the seed for building our Mexico Dream Center one day. And then lastly, there's our world. Uh, that's what we do with art, planting churches around the nation. It's what we do with Grow, training and equipping uh, pastors and leaders to build churches and, and see some of the stuff that God's doing here. It's what we do in our missions where uh, Al and Carol uh, Vendetti are here, our missionaries from China. They're leaving again in December to go over for three months to work in China. That's, that's our world. That's what we do in our world. That's our, our focus. And so let me say, as we get into our vision, we're going to take a few minutes on this. Uh, I want to try to go through this in about 10 minutes, and then we'll have about 15 minutes at the end uh, for some Q&A. Let me say we have to start small. We can't get ahead of ourselves. One of the the things I've seen destroy more churches in America is churches that got ahead of themselves. And really, what, what I mean is they got ahead of God. God will provide for what he wants done in his timing. We cannot get ahead of God. We've got to be faithful to what God is putting in front of us. And if he can trust us with the little, he'll trust us with the much. And so there's some exciting things on here, but some of these things are five, 10-year vision, uh, things that God's put in our heart to see. And, and, and you know what? If we don't reach it all, I'd rather, I'd rather shoot high and miss it by a little bit than aim low and hit it every time. I just think it's better that way. And you know what? There, there can be some, some humanness in, in, in putting this together. I'm not perfect. I'm not infallible. I'm not, you know, it's like I, I didn't pick up a red phone and, and, and dictate this down from God. It, you know, this is what I really feel like God's put on our heart corporately as a church. Uh, and and, and it's, it's going to evolve. It'll look differently when we get there. But these, these, this is where we're going, and this, these are the steps we're going to take. First off is we're going to expand this worship center. We're actually signing a contract uh, this weekend with our architect to come in and do some drawings of this building. Currently, we put out 200 chairs on Sunday morning. We're over capacity right now. We're redesigning this for 325 seats, which is what our parking lot justifies. Uh, in the church world, you need two-to-one parking ratios. We have 160 parking spots, which means we can have 320 seats in our adult worship space. And so that's the immediate goal. This project will likely be about $200,000 to accomplish to get all of the, the rebuild the stage, relay out the room, redo the seating, redo the sound and the video uh, accordingly, and really make this a, a really beautiful, nice home. Uh, again, uh, we're not raising any money to do it. God's blessed this year. We have the finances to do it and move forward and, and grow it. And that'll give us the capacity to run about 1,200 people a weekend on this site with four weekend services, 325 seats. You'll have two services that average 90% and two services that average 60% with children. That's about 1,200 people a weekend, which is probably the max capacity that this campus, this this location will ever be is about 1,200 people. Uh, next thing on the list is our Mexico Dream Center. We have the opportunity. We're looking at some homes in Mexico. We found a beautiful property down there. It's about a half a million dollars to relocate our children to. As, as you heard in the legacy brochure in the video, uh, we, you know, we've got 12 kids staying in a little bitty room. You know, and, and we've got three or four rooms like that. We need a bigger house. We found a beautiful property down there. Uh, the seller is feels like they, they, they would give it to us for $350,000 cash and seller finance 150000 
the seller financing would be what we're paying rent every month. I feel like, you know, this December during our legacy offering, we could raise $350,000 and buy it this year and just just go for it and do it as a church. And, uh, and, and let, me, let me say something about the legacy offering. We're changing, we're getting rid of the heart for the house offering. We've done the heart for the house a couple years. I believe, you know, in faithful tithing and, and heart for the house is never something where we ask people. It's just something that we made available. You know, I, I believe that all of us should should give above our tithe. That's that's living a generous life. We don't tell anyone what that means for you. Uh, but what we want to do this year is we don't need to receive an offering for us. Uh, God is providing for our church. God is blessing our church in great ways. Now, we're always going to have more vision than finances. So, so don't think because God's blessing us, that means we have everything we need. Uh, we have more vision than we have resources. But what I'm saying is we're not in need. We, we have really planned not to be in need. So we don't need to receive an offering this year to take care of us. You know, we have the $200,000 to renovate this room without having to raise that from the church. What I'd like to do every year is a legacy offering once a year that we give completely away. We don't use a penny of it for us. Uh, we do a, an annual offering that we give away. And I think this year uh, we could do it for Mexico and buy that house down there. I think our church could easily raise $350,000 through a love offering. You know, if we all do something, you know, it's, it's not, you know, all of us doing equal gifts. It's all of us just making an equal sacrifice. I think we could buy the home and relocate the kids and have a beautiful property in there. It's actually two buildings. Uh, there's space for people to go down and visit. And that could be the seed of our Mexico Dream Center. Then number three is next year we want to build a new children's building. We need a building to accommodate 125 children on a weekend. Uh, the building we're in now is have to has to leave according to HOA standards, so we've got to eventually get rid of that building. Uh, it's a temporary building that's that you know you just can't have long term in this community. So we want to build a building next year. We've we've been meeting with the architects. They estimate that the building itself will be about 1.4 to 1.5 million to to accommodate 125 children, and then. Two hundred to three hundred thousand dollars in thematic elements because we're working with Disney's architects and designers and engineers, and they theme out buildings to make it just out of this world. And their passion is they still do work for Disney uh, about twenty percent of the time, and then eighty percent of the time they do work for churches because that's their passion. And so the work for Disney keeps them sharp, keeps their knife sharp, and then their passion. And and then, and it also you know the twenty percent they do for Disney I think generates about eighty percent of their income. So that the 80% they do for churches can be deeply discounted. So we're not paying them what Disney pays them. Um, and so we, we feel very strongly, like in our government structure, we don't build or buy anything without 25% cash. That's a rule. If we don't have 25% cash, we wait. I feel like by next summer, we'll have the 25% cash because of the way we're planning, the way we budget, the way we create margin every month to begin that project. And I feel like from start to finish, just using the monthly margin, we'll be able to pay for that building cash without doing a fundraiser, without doing a capital campaign, just be good stewards and, and pay for it so we don't have to increase our debt at all. And, and build this beautiful building for the children of our church and our community and the families. And wouldn't it be great to build like a $1.78 million building without a capital campaign, without a fundraiser, just, just being smart as a church financially and paying for it as you go and, and just, just handling it the way you'd have to handle it as a, as a family. So that's next year. Also next year, uh, we want to plant our first campus in North Carlsbad. We know we're out of room here. And we're going to get to a point where we're going to have to ask about two, 300 people who attend here every weekend 
to help us plant a campus in North Carlsbad to make room in this community and then have a new campus in the North Carlsbad area. Uh, it'll be a video campus. Uh, already, this is a video campus. I sit here on Sundays now, and I have people on the front row who never make eye contact with me, watch the video screen the whole time. You know, I'm like, you know, try, trying to get them to look at me, and it's like nothing. So, I mean, already, this is a video campus, and so that that really is the way of uh, uh, the future. People, people don't mind, if, if the teaching is high quality, people don't mind if the teaching is on a video screen, as long as there's a great campus pastor who's very relational. And we have a whole, we're being trained by the best right now on how to do this. And so we want to plant our North Carlsbad campus next year to be able to expand and make room. Because the thing is, our house is built. All we're doing is adding rooms. You know, when you really think about it, the house here is built. We just need to add rooms because there's more people that need to find Jesus. And I think God's given us a unique DNA that, that relates to people and that appeals to people. And I think if we continue to create more room, that more people can be saved. Now, we're not the only church, uh, you know, but, but there, there, we are a church that there is a certain group of people out there that are attracted by this style of church, by this style of service. And so we want to continue to kind of franchise and expand for that to happen. And so our goal is next year. Uh, and again, we don't do this. We're opportunists, not strategists. I don't believe you should ever go to multi-site as a strategy to grow your church. I think that is the wrong motivation. Too many pastors get in trouble because their motivation is they want to grow the church, and so we got to plant more campuses. We're doing it because we're completely out of room and we don't have any other choice. That's the right motivation. The churches that have used that motivation have thrived in going to multi-site. The churches that have struggled in multi-site are the ones that did it to grow. We're not doing it to grow. We're doing it because we don't have any more room, and we need to make room because there's more people that need Jesus. And so we, we really don't have any other choice right now. Uh, number five on our vision list is the North County Dream Center. That's not necessarily going to begin as a building. It's probably going to begin as a series of small groups, uh, outreach small groups that we'll talk about in a moment, and then ministries, and then eventually a facility and a building, uh, things like foster care prevention, human trafficking, homeless family transition, emancipated minors. A lot of kids age out of foster care and are thrown to the streets, become gang members, drug addicts, and end up in prison. And so if we can provide a place for emancipated minors, because you know once that foster family no longer gets a check for you, you're, you, get, you get a black trash bag and you're out on the street. And that's what happens to most kids in the foster care. They call it aging out of the system. And so I'd love to build a home where the kids that age out can come live with us and we can give them job skills and train them and prepare them for the future. Um, and then prisons and jails. Number six on our list is a future main campus. Uh, we know that we'll eventually need a bigger piece of property one day. We'll our heart is we'll always keep this as a campus uh, because it's a beautiful location. It's a beautiful campus. We're going to invest a lot here, uh, but we do know that one day we're going to need a main campus, uh, a future campus that can facilitate all of the growth that God wants to do through what he's doing here. And so three to four years down the road, we're going to begin to look for a property, a building, and really you know, establish a healthy main campus, and then this this will become one of the campuses, like the North Carlsbad campus will be, and people will have options. People will have choices. You'll be able to go to a church closer to your home, and it's the same DNA, the same style, the same heart, the same 
services and facilities. I mean, we're already a multi-site church. We've got one church that meets at 8, uh, one church that meets at 9.30, and, and one church that meets at 5 p.m. And, and the people, you know, like many of you tonight, realizing that you, you don't know many people in the church, it feels small because the building's not very big, but you're seeing people that you've never seen before, and, and you and they have both come here for years. And it's, it's, you're just meeting people. So, so in a sense, I know some people are like, they, 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 they're apprehensive to multi-site. We're already multi-site when you think about it. You already go to church with a bunch of people you've never seen. This is just going to be in different buildings around the city, and it's going to give us an opportunity to reach more people for Jesus. Uh, seven on the list is pay off the debt. We want to be debt-free. We want to hand this thing over to the next generation with no debt, and, and we want to live debt-free and really manage ourselves wisely. This year, we paid down our debt $350,000. Uh, our debt currently is $2.62 million. It was a little over $3 million a couple years ago, and we've now been able to pay it down. We've refinanced it, where we're saving over $7,000 a month in interest. Eight is our multi-site vision. You know, I talked about the main campus. I talked about this campus, North Carlsbad. But in the future, we'll probably be launching a campus. uh, As we outgrow our spaces, we'll probably launch campuses uh, at a rate of about one a year. Now, this one a year, and this is probably five years down the road. You know, so this is not something we're going to do now. And again, we're not going to do it as a strategy to grow. We're going to do it as a strategy to make room because if we ever stop outgrowing our space, then we're not going to do multi-site, you know, because obviously, you know, if we're not outgrowing our space, there's no reason to do multi-site. We're not going to do multi-site as a gimmick or strategy. We're going to do it if, if God continues to bless this and it continues to grow and we continue to run out of room, we're going to continue to add space for people to find Christ. Uh, nine is a Bible college. We'd love to build a Bible college here and train people and put boots on the field. I mean, our world's, you know, not in the best shape that it's ever been. And we need to raise up the next generation of godly young men and women and train them for local church. And if God blesses this place, then we need to train people and and send them out to share what God's doing here. And then last on the list, number 10, is our multi-site Dream Center vision. I don't envision just one Dream Center in North County. Uh, If we have campuses throughout the San Diego and North County area, I could see us having multiple dream centers, you know, in different parts of San Diego, hurting areas, people that, you know, need the different ministries and resources. And, and again, this is probably this is probably eight to 10 years down the road. So I'm not talking about anything immediate, but I do see a day where we have multiple dream centers throughout the San Diego area, uh, places for people to find Christ, drug rehabilitation, uh, homeless, homeless uh, transitioning, foster care, human trafficking, because we live in a world that has a lot of need, and, and we, we should never stop reaching God's lost children. You know, God is so consumed. And see, that's, as a church, we got to remember that story. You realize God left the 99 sheep that were found to go look for the one that was lost. Do you know what most churches do? Most churches build church for the 99 that are found instead of building church for the one that's lost. Most churches, you, most churches their, their philosophy is we need, we need to do everything for the 99 that are found as opposed to doing everything for the one that's lost. I'd rather be a church that's with Jesus. If he's out looking for the one that's lost, then let's be a church that's out looking for the one that's lost. You know, let's, let's love the 99, but let's, let's go out and do that. All right, so how, how do we begin? What do we do? Where, how do we start? What, what, what are the next steps? Well, here's what all of us can do, and I want to encourage every, if you're here tonight, something touched your heart to be here. And so I want everyone here tonight to make a commitment to do the first thing, and that's pray. 
we can never underestimate prayer. We don't pray because it's the right thing to do because we're Christians. We pray because it works. We pray because everything we're seeing at this church is because of prayer. You win the war in the spiritual. And I don't know how many Christians underestimate this. How many churches underestimate prayer? They just take it for granted. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, we have prayer. You know, we're, we're Christians, we're churches. We can never take prayer for granted. It has to be the foundation of this church. Everything we do, everything we see, everything we're accomplishing is because of the hand of God and the hand of God alone. Second thing is for those of you that just, you're like, I got to get my hands dirty now. Like, I can't wait five years to see a Dream Center established. I need to do something today. This is for, the, for those of you that are here because you need to get your hands dirty. We're going to develop, uh, we're actually, Josh and Dave, if you'll come up and join me, um, I want them to talk about our outreach small groups. And Josh is going to have a meeting in a couple weeks, and he's going to meet with everyone that wants to get their hands dirty now. And we're going to do that through outreach small groups as a church. And that's going to be the seed of building a dream center one day. And I want Dave to explain a little bit of uh, kind of our coach and, and the model that we're following that's been very effective and how an outreach small group will grow into a ministry and then become a part of a dream center. But it starts as an outreach small group. About four years ago was absolutely true. Uh, I was an elder and went through that interview process, but God has obviously been at work through this man here. And uh, I'm up here full of gratitude for what this church has done to myself and my family. So this is just the beginning. The best days are yet to come. I've been a guest at this church over 20 years ago. I've been a member of this church probably for 18 years. I have worked at this church a little bit in a volunteer status, but I've never, never been part of the legacy building of a church and I want you all to please remember that 10 years from now, you're going to look back at November 1st, 2014, and I'm going to give you some examples of what is going to happen through you, through this church, through God working through you in 10 years. It's going to happen before that, but 10 years is just a mark that I have in my mind. And I'm going to give you some examples. My dear friend and brother in Christ, Jason Layton, and I went to the Church of the Highlands about five weeks ago. And this is the process that they... And that's our coach. That's our coach. That's our partner. That's our prayer partner. Uh, they've invested in us with time, their talents, their money, their people. It's just an unbelievable big brother that's come alongside us to help us. They paved the way. We're not the smartest people in the world. But if we can get behind a group of people that have already paved the way, we're pretty smart to be able to do that. But here are some examples. This church, Church of the Highlands, started with 35 people, with people with dreams. There was a person at that church that had a dream to get into prison ministries. Today, they're in the 17 prisons in the state of Georgia, sponsored by the state of Georgia Alabama. and the governor. Alabama, excuse me. I was watching the Georgia football game. <laughs> there was a lady by the name of Helen West who was a retired teacher. Jason, you remember this story. She retired, and she had a dream to someday get the church into the schools. She retired. She found out to the principal of the school that they did not have enough money to clean the toilets and the bathrooms and furnish it with the necessary supplies for the boys' and girls' bathrooms. A couple of gentlemen and ladies got together. They formed some small groups, exactly what we're doing here. 
they, for three years, attended that school across the street and took care of everything. They painted. They cleaned up after football games. They were there when the school didn't have the budget to do it. Her dream was to teach in that school during normal school hours. They are teaching in three schools in Birmingham, Alabama, in the school during the church hours. They earned the respect. Their hearts were pure. They got in there. Church of the Highlands also has a church in that school today with about 1,500 people that attend that church on Sundays. Yeah. There was another gentleman, Dr. Robert Record, that was stuck between doing the ministry and being a doctor in the general hospital. And Jason, you remember him well. He spent a day with us. The church turned him loose. He started a clinic. The clinic now has 50 doctors from around the town that come in every week and take care of hundreds of people. They formed a 501c3 outside the church. It's covered by the church. They now get grant money from the city, from the state, from the federal government to support their efforts in a clinic called the Christ Health Clinic that's covered by the church that's right next to the Dream Center that's right across from the high school. It all started with people had something on their hearts, a calling. They found out about it because their third cup overfloweth. They decided that they wanted to do something in their hearts to serve and to love on other people, and they did it with other people. They came together in small groups. Other small groups combined, and all of a sudden, they're making a huge, huge difference in Birmingham, Alabama. That's how they got to 30,000 people from 35 people by people serving together. It took them about 10 years, so that's why I refer to 10 years. There are people at this church that have a heart to work with the foster families. There are people here that have a heart to work with the military that when they get out in the offboarding process. There are people here that have a heart to work for Solutions for Change or CASA when they go through their programs, find out what they're good at, find out where their heart's at, find out what their dreams are, and then help them achieve that through God, through people that are going to try to love on them. This is where we are today. Uh, I've never been more excited to be part of this church. This church has gone through some rough times. People that are here remember we almost shut these doors, but God had a plan for us, and that plan's about to take place, the legacy of Coastline Church. And, and what he's talking about is what I mean by small beginnings. We're not ready to start any ministries, but what we want to do is start small groups, small groups. And that's what he's talking about because small groups, if they, if God puts his hand on the small group, it'll turn into a ministry. And so because there's been a lot of people that say, well, we need to do this ministry as a church. Well, first, let's start it as a small group. And if we can be faithful to it as a small group, it'll grow into a ministry. And so Josh is going to have a meeting in a couple of weeks, and he's going to tell you how you can be a part of it or sign up. And I think they've got some sign-up sheets tonight. And if you're ready, if you want to be a part of an outreach small group or begin or start an outreach small group, uh, Josh, tell us how to do that. Yeah, can I, can I just use this one? Can I just say something real quick? Yeah. Um, you know, some of you know my testimony and, and really came to the Lord at the L.A. Dream Center. And one thing that, you know, caught my eye from the very beginning was uh, an outreach called Adopt-A-Block which was really the beginnings of the Dream Center. And the, it was a small group that met in a community. And like Pastor Aaron said, our, our second focus is our communities, and that's our small groups. And the way that that started, and really want to say what we've done is create the, the infrastructure to create hubs. 
So we've got a small, uh, an outreach hub and a prayer hub, and I think those are, are intertwined. That with, there's not one without the other. The prayer hub and, and outreach hub go together. Um, and the way that the Adopt-A-Block outreach happens is basically we have half of it already at our church with Saturday morning prayer. At the LA Dream Center, they meet at 9 o'clock. They do worship and prayer. They meet together in the room and, and say, hey, let's get fired up. Let's get ready to go out. And what they do is they find communities. They find neighborhoods, and they go have a uh, hangout in the park, and they go out and invite people to come uh, have a hot dog or have, you know, play some games in the park. And it's a small group, just people loving on other people. And, and like what Dave said is um, with, with Miss Helen in the, in the schools, seeing a need and filling it, seeing a hurt and healing it. That's, that's one thing that they say at the Dream Center in L.A., and that's one thing that stuck with me in my heart and is just seeing a need and filling it. And uh, I just want to brag briefly on some of our students came to me this week and said, hey, there's a small group that, that we see that we don't have. Can we start it? And I said, absolutely. These girls saw a need, and now they're filling it. And so starting with prayer in the morning, um, let's, I want to set up the meeting. So like Pastor said, um, right out here in the cafe, we're going to have sign-up sheets. If you want to get involved with an outreach small group, and maybe you're thinking, how do we even get a foster care uh, small group started, well, it starts going to communities, going to communities. This is how the Dream Center in LA does it. They go to a a, a neighborhood, begin knocking on doors, saying, hey, come to the park and play, and they build these relationships. Everything we do is built relationally. So you build these relationships with people, and then all of a sudden, you see the need that they have in their home. Oh, there's maybe, there was a story, we went to the Dream Center back in March, and they told us a story of a family that they had gotten beds for in their home and refrigerators and everything because they were they began coming out to this outreach small group and they began building this relationship with the parents and they said hey we've got some stuff for you can we bring it to your house for you and so they went to the house and they found that there was five girls sleeping on the floor with no beds nothing no no furniture or anything and they said you know how, how long is have you you know where's where's all the furniture and they said we haven't had never had furniture, you know, and they told them their story, their testimony. And so what that did was create a ministry where, hey, we're going to look for things like this, and we're going to work on finding it, getting it, and, and resourcing these families because there's so many people that lose their children because they don't have a basic item, like, a, like furniture or a refrigerator. And so that's how it begins. It begins relationally in a, in a neighborhood, loving on people, building these relationships, just showing that Jesus Jesus was consistent. He went to the people, and he didn't say, hey, you've got to come to the synagogue if you want, to, if you want your need filled. No, I'm going to go. I'm going to walk and, and, and really find a need and fill it and see a hurt and heal it. And so that's how it begins. And I believe that we start right here at Saturday morning prayer, that we get people filling this room, praying first, like, you, like you've led us in, praying first, and then, and then meeting together and going out, finding a neighborhood. Hey, let's go have a block party. Let's go, let's go invite people out, play some kickball with some kids, and, and then make our way into schools, make our way into homes, and start healing brokenness because it's all over our community. So if you want to sign up, give, great job, Josh. If you want to sign up, Josh will be in the cafe afterwards, and he'll have some sign-up sheets. If you're ready to get your hands dirty now and say, like, I, I want to get involved, uh, just know it's small beginnings. You know, every, I would say almost every ministry of the Dream Center today in Los Angeles were born out of Adopt-A-Block because it was Adopt-A-Block that got you in the community 
that then you saw what the actual needs of the community were, so you built ministries that were relevant to that community. Um, and then thank you guys so much. That's number two on the list. One was pray. Number two is outreach small groups. And let me just touch quickly on the third thing. Have that mic. Appreciate you guys. Um, now, this is what a few of you can do uh, that are here today. And, and, and let me be very clear about this. This is the, the, third, the third area is what we call the legacy dream team. It's a specific dream team, and it's designed for people who really do know uh, and have self-identified, they have the spiritual gift of giving. It's one of the, the nine gifts that the Apostle Paul mentioned. It's the spiritual gift of giving. And you know you have that gift. You love to give above your tithe. Uh, it's like, you, you, I mean, tithing is just, again, like we talked about a few weeks ago, that's the starting point. That's just faithfulness. But there are people in our church that have a spiritual gift of giving. Like we're all given different gifts but you know you have that gift. Uh, Already, some of the people on this Legacy Dream Team, they've already gotten together uh, and identified themselves. And the golf carts, you know, we had somebody on our Legacy Dream Team buy two brand new golf carts. You see one of them outside. You got a six-passenger one coming in in a couple weeks. Uh, We had somebody on our Legacy Dream Center give us a $20,000 check to start the scholarship fund for our children's home in Mexico so that every child that goes through our home can get a full scholarship to college or trade school when they graduate. So we're not just taking care of them as children, but we're setting them up for their future. Another, you know, another couple gave a $50,000 check to kick off the whole Legacy Dream Team and just really feel, felt like that you know, God wants them to do something huge in their future. Uh, like I'm not even going to tell you because it'll scare you what God's put on their heart. And they just felt like they're not going to do that if they don't start doing, if they don't use what they have today, they're not going to be able to use what they think God's going to use them to do later. And so they just wanted to be faithful. We had somebody uh, give, uh, uh, you know, to give uh, our, all of our military that is deployed right now, the people who aren't on the front lines because we don't have boots on the ground right now, um, but we have a lot of boots on the ground over there, uh, send them Christmas care packages, you know, where we don't have to, like, you know, raise money to do it. We have the money. All we need to do is find someone that's passionate about going to Costco and shopping and putting them together because we already have the money. We just need someone that likes shopping, you know, to go to Costco and say, I'll, I'll take a list and I'll go get everything. And then we'll build these care packages and we'll send them to our Marines overseas. Uh, we had somebody on the Legacy Dream Team uh, pay for all of our new Dream Team shirts that are coming out in a couple of weeks. That It just says, Dream Team, I was made for this. And, and so we already seeing these people with the spiritual gift of giving. They're not being asked. It's something that they've identified, and they're stepping out and and just being a part of, and it's something they know they have. And so what we want to do is recognize the fact there are people with this spiritual gift, And, and we as a church have not done anything to minister to that gift or cultivate that gift or encourage that gift. We've done a lot for people with all sorts of other spiritual gifts but there's not a whole lot for the people that have the spiritual gift of giving. And so what we're going to do is do a quarterly breakfast uh, for our legacy dream team. Those are the people that know they have that gift and and that gift of giving. And it's going to be like a stockholders report because the people with that gift, their question that I get constantly from those people is what's the vision? What's the vision? Where are we going? How are we doing? Or, Or where can I write checks to? Because that's their calling, is, is, is they just feel called to write checks to fund the kingdom of God. We're not asking for it. It's not a fundraising group. It's not you know some group that we're going to try to raise money from. It's simply a group where we're going to sit down with them on a regular basis. They've identified the gift themselves, and we're just going to say, this is where we're going. This is how we're doing. Uh, this is what God's laid on our heart. 
and, 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 and we're going to do this with or without you. Now, if God wants you to help us do it quicker, that's between you and God, but we're not asking for money. We're just sharing the vision with you uh, because that's what you're interested in. One of the other things that group will, will, will help people with is kind of like a missions broker. Uh, as a pastor, it's one of my jobs to know what God's doing around the world and what are high-impact ministries, what are ministries that have good ROI. You know, like if you give to that ministry, you know it's going to make the biggest bang for the buck uh, than giving to other ministries. And so we're going to do due diligence on certain ministries and during those meetings, we're going to say, look, if you have a passion for Africa, here's two or three organizations in Africa that we endorse, that we trust, that we know you're going to get high ROI for every missions dollar you give to that organization. And just be a resource. You know, we're not going to, we're not going to, the money's not going to come through us. Uh, you can give directly to them. We're just going to recommend a few places. If you don't have the time to study and research and, you know, you're getting all this mail about every organization in the world that wants your money, uh, you don't know what's, you know, how much of my dollar is going to actual ministry and how much of my dollar is going to admin and overhead costs. Well, we're going to do some of that research for you, and we're going to recommend programs and ministries and churches and orphanages and different things happening around the world that have high impact for the kingdom and high value on every dollar. And so that's one of the things we'll do in that legacy meeting. And so if you're interested, if you feel like you have the spiritual gift of giving, you've self-identified that, uh, all you need to do is email legacy at coastlinechurch.org. It was the email you used to register for tonight and say, you know what? I feel like I have that gift and I want to come to the first meeting and explore it and see if that that really is who I am, the Legacy Dream Team. And Eric, I want you to come up. Eric's the guy who is uh, going to be heading up the Legacy Dream Team. He's one of our elders. And this was all his idea, so you can blame him. He's the one that encouraged me to get this going because uh, he, he has this gift. This is something that's in his heart and he knows he has this gift. So I just want him to share a little bit more uh, from somebody with that gift uh, to you if you feel like you have that gift better than I can because it's, you know, I'm a pastor. I've got a different gift. <laughs> well, thanks, Pastor, for the opportunity to be here. And thank you for, <clears throat> to everyone for coming out. Uh, it, it's always a little bit hard to talk about giving in front of a large group of people because inherently it's a pretty private thing generally. Um, but my wife and I, <laughs> We feel like God's called us to be business people, and that's our calling. And for a long time, we struggled with, we're waking up every day, we're going to work, we're doing all this stuff to make money. What's the point of that? Um, And what we realized and what God spoke to our hearts is that we're absolutely fulfilling our calling and our ministry by going out into the business world, bringing in provision for the kingdom. So... What I want to do with my life is I want to get under the authority and the spiritual covering of someone like Pastor Aaron, who God has given this incredible vision that we've heard about tonight, and I just want to resource it. And I'm a young guy, and you know, right now my resources aren't what I hope they will be someday, but if I can be faithful with the little that God's given me now, then I believe that he's going to continue to use me to resource what he wants to do. And so I think there's probably a lot of people here in North County who God's given that gift of business to, um, and it's no accident that we're all here together. And there's a huge world that needs us, and it needs us to go out every day and do those deals and bring in those customers and, <clears throat> and be able to bring in the money so that we as a church corporately can accomplish what God's called us to do in our generation. 
And so that's what we'll be doing. So if you, thank you, Eric. So if you, if you feel like that's a spiritual gift you have, or, or maybe you think you have it, you're not quite sure, come to the first meeting. You can talk to guys like Eric who know they have the gift. They can help you identify whether or not that's something that you have, that's something that you feel like you know, is a part of your life, and, and be a part of that team. Again, it's not a fundraising thing. It's not, we're not going to get together and ask for money. We're going to get together and just kind of share with you what God's laid on our heart, where we're going, what we're doing. And if God decides to move on you to help us make it happen quicker, that's between you and God. Uh, our job is just to provide the vision, you know, to you of what God's laid on our heart and what God's showing us and where God's taking us. Uh, your job is to respond to God however God leads you to respond. Uh, but it's not something, it's not a, a, a gimmick. It's just to really help the people that have that gift to encourage one another in that gift, not just for the sake of Coastline, because a lot of the giving that comes out of that group will happen to other organizations. Uh, but it's just a group to encourage each other to continue to do more for God's kingdom. Uh, what I'm going to do is, is me and the staff are going to be here as long as you want to ask questions. And so we'll, we'll, we'll hang out at the front. I'm going to close in prayer in just a minute. Actually, I'm going to have one of our overseers who's here today close us in prayer. He's speaking tomorrow morning. I, this week, I didn't want to be focused on Sunday because I really wanted to be focused on, on being here with you guys tonight. And so I had one of our overseers, he's kind of one of my bosses, um, come in this weekend to, to speak to our church, and he's awesome. You'll love him. Uh, real quick announcement, I want to introduce two of our newest staff members that are starting this month. We hired a new uh, executive pastor, Jared, and his wife, Kim Dunn, are both coming on our team to help us with the growth. They're kind of, uh, they're, they're joining our lead team with me and my wife and, and Denny Shaw, who has just been so, how, how many love Denny? Just the impact that man has made. And so Josh, myself, uh, Denny, uh, Ed, Eric, our elders, Jared, uh, we'll all be here uh, hanging out. So come talk to us if you have questions. I hope this was helpful tonight. Uh, just again to recap, uh, we're going to start small. Uh, let's be faithful to what's in our hand because it's really easy to get excited about what's in our heart and forget about what's in our hand. That we, We've got responsibilities every Sunday here to welcome new people, to love new people, to get them plugged into small groups and, and the dream team. And that'll give us the ability to continue to go after what's in our heart. Three things that we can do now. What do we do now? Pray. That's what we can all do. Two, if you're just ready to get your hands dirty today, meet with Josh. Find a way to get involved in outreach small groups because that's going to be the seed. That's going to be the baby steps to building our dream center. It's all going to start in outreach small groups, and it's going to grow from there. And then lastly, if, if you feel like the spiritual gift to giving is that resonates with you, uh, email legacy at coastlinechurch.org, and we'll let you know when the first Legacy Dream Team is going to meet. And uh, or come talk to Eric more about that tonight. Pastor Ken, would you come and pray over us tonight as we close? Yeah. Would you stand with me tonight? Let's just stand together and uh, let's just agree. I want to see all these things come to pass. How about you? Amen. Amen. Come on, let's pray. Father, we love you. Just so exciting to see what you will do through our lives when we make ourselves available. And God, we give you all the glory. We know this. We know that provision always follows the vision. God, I pray that the vision would be protected. It would be strong. And God, I pray even right now, uh, you're moving on people's hearts and ideas are popping up and energy and excitement. All these things are happening and things are being birthed in the invisible realm right now that one day 
as somebody said, will become visible. And we thank you for it ahead of time, God. And we thank you that in your sovereignty, somehow, you just choose to use ordinary, everyday people to do extraordinary things. God, I know our best days are yet ahead. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's give God one more hand clap tonight. Have a great night. We'll be hanging out if you have any questions.